Good morning. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for healed relationships with you, with one another, and that one day all things will be healed. We ask now that as we look to several passages in the Christmas story, especially in the prophecies, as we look at peace, that we would understand Jesus' role, his unique and profound role in us finding peace. Speak through my words. May they bring out your text. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Read this story recently this week. A lady was saying that her catering manager sometimes has problems with her social skills. That's an interesting job to have when you have social skills problems. But uh, she was discussing... Uh, christening, a baby christening party with a young couple. And she commented to the mother, you look like you've lost most of your pregnancy weight. To which the mother got very awkward and clenched face and said, thank you, we adopted. (laughs) Normally I'm telling guys this, just don't comment on this. Peace is a hard thing to get, isn't it? We can get upset over so many things, be them minor like this or major things. And peace is so huge in its ramifications. The peace that we're talking about is dependent on the Old Testament word shalom, which is every bit as rich and even more than our word in English for peace. I want to read to you a verse just to get us started from Isaiah 9. Verses five and six, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." And so even wars will cease ultimately through Jesus. Now some of these prophecies of Jesus refer to his first coming. And some of them refer to his second coming. As you know that he came to bring peace first and foremost between God and man. And when he returns again, he will bring peace on the earth. We had a car that we owned for about a year before uh, one of the members of my family asked, what is this tiny device in the keychain? I pondered for a bit, poked the button on it there, then walked outside and realized that the car was started. (laughs) It was a remote starter we did not even realize we had for that car. Well, woo! (laughs) Bought it without even knowing that. Do you know the ability to be a peacemaker because of Jesus is in every person who believes in him. That I know this world is troubled, but peace is a part of what Jesus comes to bring. And those people who connect to him will bring peace. Jesus himself said, 
A new command I give you, love one another. Now, they would have stopped him there and said, wait a second, we know that command. Hang on. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. You remember how much he would love us? As he hung on the cross? And then he continues, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, love is related to peace because love covers a multitude of sins. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so we see that peace is possible. And so we're looking at hope for broken relationships because of Jesus. We're first gonna start to look at that primary purpose for which Jesus came into the world in his first advent. And we're expecting him to come in his second advent. But the peace with God is his purpose. And this verse in Isaiah that is a beautiful verse, um, especially for someone who was a mountaineer for many years, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So someone who brings this message of peace, which is one of those greatest of good news, is to be watched for and waited. And you have to imagine Jerusalem and many of the other Israeli cities that would sit on hills and then there'd be valleys all around and in the distance there would be hills and mountains. And if you're waiting for good news, you would see it as they would come over the distant hills. And so they'd say, the messenger is here. And maybe that meant that the messenger would come with news that troops are coming to save you or that the battle had already been won. But the good news here is a prophecy of Jesus coming. And of course, John the Baptist, if we wanted to get into that, was the one who primarily announced the good news of Jesus, prepared the way for them, and told people to repent because the Savior was coming. And so he had that preeminent position of announcing the good news of peace. So God wants peace. He wants peace between himself and us. It is the greatest of all messages. We also see, secondly, all peace flows from peace with God. A couple of verses that cause some monkey wrenches to be thrown into this nice, simple picture. In Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace, said the Lord, for the wicked. Okay, peace is being offered for those who turn to God. But we have to be very clear that people who remain selfish and wicked will not find peace. Peace is in short supply today. We understand that. It's not even natural for humans. It's not just countries that go to war. It's families that go to war, as we saw in the stories as well. And we have seen much worse than this. And so it's hard, it's unnatural. We tend to nurse our grudges. We tend to remember everything that was said against us that hurt. We tend to minimize the positive things. And so peace is hard in this world. Um, And we have to have God in it to be able to change this. And so our relationship with God is the key to getting peace in other places. Peace between someone and God transforms them. 
people who were not peaceable in the past become peaceable. And so we see that there is goodness here. There's a quiet man that attended my last church. He came there and uh, then after a few weeks, we noticed every time he showed up, um, somebody else was with him. And we noticed that in the four, he'd be sharing the gospel. And so he was bringing all these coworkers and family members and friends and real quiet guy, but uh, he kept bringing people with him. And so one of our adult Bible fellowship, that's like a big Sunday school class with small groups within it, we had at that time, said, we're going to bring this guy in and interview him to learn about his evangelistic effort. You know, the first question they asked this guy is, how long have you been a Christian? He said, about two months. Two months? How did you receive Christ? Well, during one of the services where Pastor Bill talked about it. And they said, what is about all these people? Well, he talked about making peace with your past. I'm inviting all the people that I held grudges with and asking for forgiveness and telling them about Jesus who changed me. Whoa. Sadly, that guy lived all the way across the Twin Cities and eventually we got him connected to another church. But he became an evangelist because he became a peacemaker, because God made peace with him. So all peace flows from peace with God. It starts with our relationship with God, but then we become people who no longer have enemies, who consider everyone as a potential brother and sister in Christ. And so that is how it transforms us when the Holy Spirit comes in and when we yield to him and we start listening. No, I know there are plenty of people in churches sometimes that hold grudges and do not realize these things. But when we yield to the Spirit, we see the power that all peace comes from God. Jeremiah 14, 19, we hope for peace, but no good has come for a time of healing, but there is only terror. And so we understand that people can resist this peace. And it is only God that has to be brought in. And the reason that there's a problem in Jeremiah's days, people did not listen to God. And that's why he said our hopes for peace, our hopes for security were dashed because we did not go to the source. The source. Our second point is Jesus is the source of all peace. So we have to go to God, but we have to go more specifically to Jesus. And we again go to one of those Christmas prophecies in Isaiah 9, verse 7 of the greatness of his government and of peace. And let's just stop there because most people say of the increase or the greatness of his government, they say, ooh, where there's big government, there's not. Well, you're used to men and women doing government, okay? That's your problem right there. None of us is qualified to be a parent. None of us is qualified to govern it. None of us are qualified to be a preacher. You understand that? We have failures. But of the increase of the Holy One's government, nobody's going to protest, okay? Because this is he's going to keep things in line without ever getting selfish, without ever doing special interests. 
So we read on, of the greatness of his government and therefore of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Sorry, once again, I have a little bit of a cold here that's affecting my throat. So our two points are, number one, Jesus brings peace. That that was his mission, to bring peace. And then as we look further, that Jesus made the peace. You see, he's not just carrying like a satchel there. He is the peace. He is the one that accomplished it. He is not a runner. He was the one who announced it, who gave it, and established it. So all peace, inner peace within our soul, outward peace between one another and between us and God, all of this will come through Jesus. A couple years ago, I preached and used as an outline different hymns each time, and then we went to the scriptures that they were referencing it, and we went through, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Well, I want to read to you verse 1, 3, and 5. You don't need 2 and 4 because they just embellish, okay? But, uh, and there's more verses than that. But I want you to hear these. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now this introduces an issue. This introduces the issue that in this world there will be fighting against peace. There will be opposition to it. Jesus is the source of all peace. He's the one we get it from. But that doesn't mean that all your problems go away when you find Jesus. Anyone here been a Christian for long enough? Anyone here want to raise their hand and said all your problems went away? Some of you might want to raise your hand and say, I got more problems. My own dear wife received quite a bit of persecution within her family when she followed Jesus, later to lead the person who persecuted to Christ. And so there's a struggle. This is not the way the world works. So Jesus brings peace, but he made peace. Another verse, it's not on the screen here, from Isaiah 53, 5, a prophecy not of his coming, but of his death. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now this is the line, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. The punishment that brought us peace between us and God was on him. And so he made peace. He was the one that brings it to us and delivers it, but he's the one that accomplished it as well. And so we see that peace flows through Jesus. So the real question that we have is, have you found Jesus? Because he's the one that can go to work deep within our soul. 
He's the one that can establish peace between us and God. I'll tell you myself, one of my biggest areas of lack of peace when I was a child and young adult was in internally. And I've told you before, I was suicidal. I hated myself. I hated my failures. I rolled in them. Maybe it was a church that was a little too legalistic that I spent time in that obscured the gospel. But I loathed myself. Jesus is the one that showed me that I was still loved even though I was, had failed. And that was so important to me to alleviate that internal. Now, I still wanted to do better than my failure, but I wanted to do better because of his love for me. And it solved this. And so it was only when I got this relationship with God that it became able to solve the inner one. And it also gives you a reason to go into peace between one another. Romans 5, first two verses, Paul talks about this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That means stand firm. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And so it's very clear that all throughout the Bible that the way we get this peace with God that flows into everything else is through Jesus. And that was his mission to come to earth. Indeed, many times that word peace is interchanged with the word salvation. You notice that salvation emphasizes the verb, right? The act of saving someone. Peace, the result. And so peace goes so much to what we're rescued from. And it is almost synonymous. Our third point Peace is available to those who trust in Jesus in all its ways. We realize that the world is not at peace. We realize that even in our own hearts, we can be part of the unrest and lack of peace. But we have to understand that the Holy Spirit that God sends to our heart to convict us and to transform us gives us the ability to be a peacemaker. And if there are people in the church that cause division, that is problematic. Indeed, Paul said, rebuke a divisive or divisive person once, after that have nothing to do with them. What? That is because Jesus told us, they will know we are Christians, they will know you belong to me by your love. And so one of the signs of being a believer one of the things that should show other people who we are is the fact that we have love and we seek peace. And now I know you're going to make mistakes, and I know other people are going to make mistakes. The question is, do we solve these things? Do we go back and try to heal them? Do you have any relationships that are broken because of you? You will have some relationships that are broken that you cannot affect because other people choose that way. But are there any that are broken because of you? Interesting. Never let a broken relationship be your fault. And I know 
Sometimes it seems 50-50, and even in best times, it's 90-10. The best thing we can do up is to own up to our 10% without calling it 10%. Don't go to your wife, man, and say, I apologize for that little bitty part that I had in our problem. (laughs) Take responsibility for it. I had a man that told me, but you're telling me to apologize to my wife, but she was wrong. I said, yes, but the way you responded to her wrongness was wrong. Then she wins and I lose my point. So? What's more important? Peace or losing your point? It is true. Eventually, by the way, when you do this, you woo people. A lot of times they change. We see the example of Joseph and Mary. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, you see there was a betrothal period, sort of more than an engagement, but less than a marriage, and you were supposed to remain apart sexually during this time. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The only problem is Joseph was not told. Mary was told about this. Have you ever wondered why Joseph was not told? I think part of the reason is is so we could see the character of the man who would raise the Messiah. We continue on. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to a public disgrace, he had mind to divorce her quietly. You see, a betrothal, even though it wasn't a marriage, needed a divorce. And so he was not going to assert his rights and show, look how I've been hurt. He was just going to put it away. Then he gets the angel. Isn't that interesting? But a point that we see from this is that the Holy Spirit and God will work and show us what we need to find resolution of our problems. It also shows us that a lot of our problems are communication-based. Isn't that interesting? There really wasn't a problem here, was there? It completely went away when somebody had the whole picture. But sometimes we presume things. We need to learn from that. I've mentioned this before, but my wife's grandfather was dying, and he and his brother had been feuding for years, coming up on 50 years, I believe. And they had not talked to each other in years and years and years. His brother wanted to come see him because he knew he was dying. He arrived too late. And he told me, I can't even remember the reason we were feuding. With tears in his eyes. Hmm. And how we regret the lack of peace and holding on to grudges when we see the perspective of eternity. We see an example of Joseph and Mary. Of course, he received the angel and he married her and was faithful. But we need to be people that are peacemakers, both of real offenses and also of understanding that some things are communication issues. We also see that peace is an overcoming type of peace. This goes back to the issue that this is not a world of peace. This is a world of trouble. It's a world of hardship. 
It's a world of war. It is a world of divorce. It is a world of broken best friends. And that is the way it goes. And we often rally around people that'll say, oh, you poor baby, and support us in our lack of unity. And tell us that being vindictive and nursing grudges is the healthy thing to do. (laughs) Maybe getting out how you feel in a healthy way is healthy. But this is a broken world. John 16, 33, Jesus talking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. (laughs) Look at that. My transmitter fell. That's a first. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? So that you might have peace. In this world, until the fullness of peace comes when Jesus returns, there will be a struggle against peace. And so don't be disillusioned. Realize that greater is the one that's within us. That the Holy Spirit that is sent in Jesus' name and the power of Jesus is greater than the power of disunity that steps in the way of peace. Indeed, it's greater than our sin that can, as soon as we admit that we are needy, it can save any soul. The person who admits that, it's the power of Jesus. Now, I know that Jesus said other things. Um, In Luke 12, we read, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? Notice this. On this trip, No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I had an Egyptian friend who came to Christ and became an evangelist. He was so excited when he first came to Christ. He wrote back home. He's on a student program. Iowa State University told them of what happened. And he received his last letter from everyone in his family saying he was no longer their son. He was no longer their brother. They stopped sending funds for his education. And he had to appeal to the U.S. government so that he could become a U.S. citizen so he would not be put to death by the extremists. Because they said, you come back, that will be the end. That's hard, isn't it? But you notice he did not cause that unrest. And I wish I could tell you that in the end, he was able to contact a family and lead them to Christ. Every time he sent a letter, which he faithfully did every month, he never heard back. Every time he tried to make a phone call, it was unanswered or hung up on. Pretty expensive back then, by the way, to make a phone call that could be four or five dollars to connect, to have it hung up. 
And so this world is not yet in harmony with what Jesus has because this is the time for us to step into the world of peace and out of the world of disharmony and hatred. Jesus will bring peace on earth, just not his first visit to earth. It's his second visit. And these prophecies in the Old Testament about the lion and the lamb laying down together, that will happen. But it will come when he returns again. A couple churches ago, there was a man that uh, I had not known that if they wouldn't have told me, but he had owned the seediest bar in the county. They had what was dubiously called um, live entertainment on uh, the weekends, and uh, he came to Christ. And he was a member of the church. I took over. It happened before I got there. And he would not even sell the bar to someone else because he's afraid of its reputation doing so. He took a huge loss on all of this. I remember walking in on him, and we had eight sheriffs and police officers in that church. And several of them were with them, and they were joking with them, said, you stop more crime by becoming a Christian than every sheriff, deputy, and police officer in the county. Interesting. Because his place was pretty well known to be frequented by 911 calls. That's an overcoming piece, isn't it? It's somebody that transforms. And I remember this man, he just said, I contributed to a lot of broken families and a lot of problems out there. And so his mission was now to not atone for it because that's what Jesus did, but to work on the other side. Learned a lot from that man. He didn't live in the past, but he was informed by the past. He sought to bring peace where there was none. We also see two other points. We need to receive peace, and peace will transform us. And this is from Luke 1.79. This is the prophecy to, about John the Baptist. To shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. John the Baptist would prepare the way for the one who was the light. And Jesus here, the metaphor, is going to shine a light that shows us the path of peace. A path where there is no disharmony, where there is no hatred, where there is forgiveness. And so Jesus was the one that came to bring this. But Shining the light doesn't make everyone follow the right path, does it? And so when we shine the light, there's a responsibility for us to follow it. And this peace then, of course, when we walk in the pack of peace, we become transformed where we're part of the solution. And so let's just look at some application points here. Do something positive this week to try to heal a broken or maybe just mildly inflamed relationship. Ask the Lord to show you, is there something you can do to help a relationship that's soured? Secondly, 
Spend some time listening to someone who disagrees with you. I had not heard Sarah's testimony when I put this together. But you notice how she talked about listening and how the power of that and what she learned in CR. Spend time listening to someone who disagrees with you. I spent this plane ride sitting next to a national organization of women, national board member, many years ago. And I got her talking and I asked her, again and again why she believes what she did and then she asked who I was and she learned I was an evangelical pastor going to pray at the National Day of Prayer, the opening televised prayer. And she says, how did you let me keep talking? We believe in polar opposite things. And I said, I agreed with 90% of everything you said, just the way you added up. I understand poverty and women I understand pornography is anti-woman. I understand so many of the things she did. It's just, how do we respond to this? And it's still telling to me that her last words to me is she said, you shattered my preconceived ideas. She did not become a Christian, but she realized that there was not that much different because I let her talk for 45 minutes about what was on her heart. And by the way, something I learned from her is that we as a church have to be more involved in the poverty of women if we're going to be anti-abortion. And she had all kinds of ideas about that, which I have found helpful. Listen to someone who disagrees with you. Finally, be certain that you have received the gift of peace with God because this is what gets us so that we are no longer stuck in our sin and shame. And this is the one that gives us the potential to become peacemakers. To God be the glory.